BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, this is the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Coors Light. I am Jason Goff and I am joined by Casey Johnson and Rob Schaefer of NBCSportsChicago.com. Coming up on the show, we'll discuss the bubble, the teams that aren't in the bubble, what's going on with the Bulls coaching search again. We'll also get into Kobe White and his sit down with Rob Schaefer about basketball, life, and also where he comes from. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste, filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness, and packaged cold for peak refreshment, because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. guys we're here once again uh we've got different issues to attend to and casey johnson rob schaefer from NBCSportsChicago.com, joining us on the bulls talk podcast so fellas the bubble the uh whatever you want to call it the scrubble uh the bubble that that isn't whatever the case may be there's a lot of fancy names for something that didn't happen for it seems like it's not going to happen for the rest of the nba teams who aren't in orlando casey what's the latest that we have on that for the Bulls and some other teams who are looking forward to the draft now? Well, the latest is, um, you know, you really got only one shared goal between these eight teams, and that is to get some kind of formal group activities uh, authorized by the league and the player association. The, w- how that plays out in the format that that takes, there, there are different goals. There are some teams that wouldn't mind doing a bubble, and there are other teams that just want to stay in their own practice facilities and not travel. There are other teams that want to do – you know, regional scrimmages against another team. Um, And complicating this is that Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association, is on record as saying, you know, unless there are the exact same safety protocols that are going on in Orlando for the second bubble, it's a non-starter for her. The league's attention mostly has been in Orlando, obviously, and that was a significant financial undertaking. Um, So you'd also have to factor in that is, you know, what kind of financial undertaking would they commit to these eight teams? Um, it did look like there was some positive momentum for not a bubble, but for each team to be able to hold some sort of, um, you know, off-season training sessions, group sessions in their own practice facilities, uh, kind of like OTAs in, in the NFL. Um, and I, I don't think that's dead, but uh, there's certainly not as much optimism as there was maybe a week, 10 days to go for that. Um, so you may be, I mean, it's, not, it's fluid and it's nothing definitive yet, but you may be staring at, you know, that dreaded eight-month uh, window between no formal group activities for these eight teams. And that's just, we've already gotten, gotten into that, how, how, how difficult that would be for those teams. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time, Rob. And what we have now is everybody going into next year or thinking about next year who isn't playing right now, how are they going to get better? How how can you get your hands on guys? Literally, you know, make sure that they're healthy enough and doing the things that they need to be doing out there, Rob. How If you were running the Bulls and you found out that the bubble part two isn't happening, uh, what do you think the best plan is? Or what do you think the plan might be going forward? Because you're going to have to come up with something. These guys 
obviously can can do things around their homes if they've made enough in their career to put gyms or you know um, uh, hoops up in their in their uh, homes. But what's next for this outside of just shooting jump shots by yourself? Yeah, I, I don't know because because I know what they're doing now is you know as many people uh, as are in town are doing one on zero work, individual work. I just don't know how much you can get out of that. I know some people have rolled eyes at the notion that the Bulls should be upset to be left out um, of Orlando and to not have any kind of organized, whether it be a second bubble or whether it be organized group activities. That's gotten a little bit of eye rolling for kind of what impact that could actually have on them. But if I'm the Bulls, I absolutely um, believe that I could get something out of that, especially with such a young team. Uh, so, I, you know, if I was running the Bulls, I would definitely be bummed out by that. I, I kind of get why discussions stall on this. Casey, you described kind of all the uh, safety and medical hurdles that would need to be cleared for it. And if it's a risk-reward thing for the league, I mean, obviously, the reward factor for the Orlando bubble is just so much greater uh, monetarily and, and things like that when you talk about televising games and crowning a champion and things like that. The reward is just so much greater for Orlando than it would be for this. This would almost seem to just be a uh, – a gesture of goodwill towards the eight teams more than anything that they would directly get from it. So I, I don't know. It's a lot of, I don't know. Still, I feel like we're back pontificating about the original bubble again. Yeah. Um, but if I'm the bulls, I, I you know, I, I get why they're bumped out. I, I get why um, AK and the uh, Mark Eversley have said from the beginning that they wanted something. Um, it just makes too much sense to me. But, and, and I could, I get why they want something too, because they want to find out what they got. Exactly. You know? all the people who, and we're going to get into this, Casey, uh, but for all the people who want Jim Boylan gone uh, and all the fans out there who are ringing the bells about this, if you're AK and you're Mark, you, you'd like to have as much time watching the current head coach of the Bulls go along with the current head player, current players and get your eyes on them for whatever amount of scrimmages or practices you possibly can. Am I wrong? No, that's certainly another layer to this. I don't think that's the – uh, be-all, end-all uh, scenario for the decision-making process that the front office is going through. I think it's right. more complicated than that, and we, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, I mean, right now they're, they're sitting around watching guys work out individually within, with assistant coaches as opposed to seeing Jim and his staff in action, holding practices, perhaps coaching a regional scrimmage, et cetera. And, and beyond the gym aspect to this, it's also – you know, they just want to see more of their players uh, and how they, you know, look in practice or maybe perhaps in scrimmages. Um, you know, I think we've all kind of gone over this before, but we're all kind of expecting 2021 to be a little bit of a whole uh, tread water year because just financially they're not going to be able to do a lot in free agency uh, if Otto Porter Jr. opts in, which I'm sure he's going to. Um, and, and And so – you know, I think they're going to get this opportunity next season as well. My sense always has been that there's more significant changes are coming uh, next offseason in 2021, not not this offseason. And I think that's both for the coaching uh, picture and also the, the roster. But anytime you get to see guys when you're new to a franchise do more than just, you know, put up jump shots or, you know, do uh, – you know, defensive slide drills or what have you. It's, it's, it's beneficial. And, you know, Rob tied to just touch on this, but everybody's poo-pooing the fact, you know, they're missing out on Orlando and how, what kind of experience would that be? I completely disagree. I mean, 
you know, look at the Phoenix Suns or, or you know, even the Wizards who are getting drilled. Those, those young guys are getting, you know, valuable run right now. And, and the Bulls are, you know, putting up jump shots with assistant coaches wearing gloves. You know, I mean, it's just not the same, man. So, it, to me, I, I still can't believe that they've left eight teams behind. I just I, – to me, it was always 16 or 30 was the answer. And let's face it, too. I mean, you're missing out on a piece of history. I know it sounds weird, but – Everybody performing right now in Orlando, like I, I listened to uh, Taylor Rooks talk about her experience uh, since she's been down there and all the things like the, the documentaries that are getting ready to happen because of this. I'm not saying basketball players care about that, but a piece of history, like you're in a league and you're not allowed to participate in the league for whatever this year is going to be for the last you know 10 games or so. Uh, it's, it, it does. It, it is weird. It is weird. And like you said, to see Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and all those dudes and, and, and DeAndre Ayton and all those guys go at it for a Phoenix Suns team, they know they're not going to win the championship, but they, they're feeling a little bit better about the group that they're putting together after they compete against teams where there's no travel. And obviously the variables are all different than they would be in a normal season, but there's no travel, there's no crowds, it's just hooping. And sometimes you figure out who's the best player on the court. And on a court with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, uh, Devin Booker, he, he did his thing. And you'd love to see Kobe White or Zach Levine or Wendell Carter Jr. or Daniel Gafford, some of these young players, get a chance to do their thing on a stage such as this, this, this bubble format. So I, I understand. I understand completely. I will, I, I will, say, I will say, though, huh? I will say, though, it, it is weird, but the big but here is all they had to do was come in 22nd in the NBA to be there. So I don't, I don't necessarily like feel like the bulls were wronged. I mean, it's a little weird that they did the in-between option of 22 teams as opposed to either 16 or all 30, you know, if the season goes differently, they, they would be there. John, John Zion weren't in that top 16. Exactly. Well, John would have been, but yeah, yeah. Zion is is the big one. Um, But, but again, if we're talking about the front office aspect, whatever you think of Jim, I just totally get why two new guys coming in at the top of the front office think that there's no way that team activities could be anything but beneficial to this team. That's just such a, that's just such a reasonable stance to me. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball players play basketball and they get better at basketball. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, Speaking of as the gym turns, Casey, uh, what's, what's the what's the latest for everyone who tunes into this podcast near and far just to find out how we feel about Jim Boylan and what's going on right now with the Bulls? Well, uh, I, I wrote on July 21st that Arturis is taking the long view on this decision um, because of multiple factors. Uh, first of all, that's what he said he was going to do. He was going to watch Jim in action and he was going to get to know him. And then you also have to complicate or, you know, add in the, the complication of the pandemic and how that is disrupting not only all teams' finances, but also the 2021 NBA calendar. There, we don't even know when the 2021 season is going to start. There's certainly more signs than not that it's going to start in December. But what if we get closer to December and they realize, you know, maybe a vaccine's right around the corner and they see a window where they can get fans in the stands and then the league and the Players Association, you know, push the start of the 21, 2021 season to early 21 so they can get fans in the stands for the whole season. There's just, there's just so much unknown here. So um, Arturis Karnaschovas is taking the, the, the long view on this decision. Uh, I also wrote in that on that day, July 21st, that there are more signs than not um, that, you know, Jim is being empowered to return. Um, 
you know, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think that decision is final, but it certainly looks like it's trending that way. And then our guy, uh, Joe Cowley from the Sun-Times, you cited some sources saying that some financial uh, concerns of the ride source are playing a factor in this decision, um, which I alluded to in that July 21st piece, although I did not source it out. It was written in my own voice. So there's just a lot of smoke uh, that that Jim is going to be back. And I, regardless of what how what happens and i know it's a big decision and, and certainly a polarizing decision for the fan base uh the 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 dominant theme here is that the uncertainty is what's dragging this out is that we just don't have a timeline for the 2021 season and i do think that um the pandemic uh certainly plays a factor in this i think bringing a unproven first year head coach to ownership would be a hard sell at this time um I've said all along, I, I, I see major change coming in the 2021 off season. I, I think that then placates ownership for a year. Uh, our tourists and Mark Eversley get a lay of the land for the roster and, and how the staff works. Um, there are certain people on Jim's staff that he likes Chris Fleming. He has worked with before in Denver. So um, kind of all over the place here because it's a fluid situation, but I, I personally think that uh the changes are coming in 2021 um, and we'll see how it plays out. Rob, anything that you have seen over the last couple of days since we last talked about this that have made you change your mind or a new, new take on, on what the Bulls coaching situation is or will be? Well, I don't know about change my mind because I, I have tried not to make my mind up on anything because, you know, if we've learned anything over the course of this, it's that nothing, you can't stand on solid ground with pretty much any take <laughs> in this day and age uh, when it comes to the NBA and things like that. So I don't know about mind change, but um, Casey, like you definitely hit the nail on the head saying that there's a ton of smoke coming from a lot of different places. And yeah, it's, it just seems like that's the way things are trending. So um, a lot of people aren't going to be happy with that. Um, I think that's understandable when you look at the results in the Jim Boylan era. I can't poo-poo anyone that is, you know, uh, dissatisfied with the possibility that he might come back uh, next season. But we just kind of have to follow the facts and follow um, the way things are trending. And Casey, you sum it up better than anybody. It's just a complicated situation um, with all the uncertainties surrounding, you know, finances are a part of it, the, the coaching staff thing is a part of it um the uncertainty surrounding when the 2021 season is going to start the roster and flexibility um there's just so much gray area in this uh that i'm just kind of trying to follow it see where it goes and and we'll break it down from there i I will be curious as you've alluded to casey when the 2021 off season starts and there is some um ability to move around the pieces on the roster and potentially um create a roster that maybe if this one isn't as to AK's liking as we once thought it was, uh, I'll be interested to see what kind of changes uh, reverberate from that. But um, until then, I'm just kind of following along, same as anybody else. Well, that, that actually leads into one more point I want to make regarding this. Cause I, I, one thing that, that I get a lot from fans and I, I completely understand it is how can you say like our tourists and more specifically our Mark Eversley said uh, when they got the job, we're going to be a player's first organization. And then obviously there's quite a bit of evidence that players are, you know, dissatisfied with, with Jim. Um, so, so how do you square that? And I, I would just say two things to that. Number one, 
and I said this on one other podcast, but this is where Arturis and Mark are making their money because all the feedback I've been getting is that the players like these guys a lot. They're really transparent. They're really honest. They're really communicative. So this is where Arturis and Mark set the tone for the organization. When you say like these guys, you're talking about the coaching staff or the front office? No, the front office. The front yeah. office. So so they're, they're creating the atmosphere almost like in spite of what the players feel about Jim, number one. And number two, way more importantly is, you know, I don't really get the sense that Arturis and Mark are here to fall in love with this roster. I think there's a this, lot of this, I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, you can, you can elaborate in one second. I'll just say this. There are a lot of young, intriguing pieces on this roster, no doubt. But sometimes we, like, overstate, you know, because this is all we have to break down is, like, the, the players in front of us. This is not a great NBA roster. So, you know, they don't really – I'm not saying they don't care what these players think, but a lot of the – some of these players aren't going to be here in 2021 when they not, not only try to probably overhaul the roster, but possibly or potentially make a coaching change depending on what how Jim's situation plays out. Yeah, they moved into a house that was, you know, broken down and then dilapidated and people were wondering if they're going to keep the kitchen counters. Like, hey – like let them let them let them figure this out, and I know that's not the sexy thing to tell Bulls fans or tell sports fans because you want blood and you want it now. But if I'm AK or Mark, I'm sitting in the cut and I'm seeing who's bitching about what and how much you can do to actually change it once the bitching stops, right? Like if if a player is coming to me about a coach, I'm definitely going to take heed and, and put it in my my notes. But at the same time, I'm going to look around and say, okay, when we do get a different guy, how much better a player are you going to be? Because, I mean, it, everybody's on their first date representative vibes right now. Like, everybody's probably saying the right things and making you feel really comfortable about them. But it, the same people that you're going to let go, if you do let anybody go, you got to get intel from them about what this player's worst days looks like as well. So I, I think there's, there, there's a lot of moving pieces. And right now, Bulls fans – First of all, they can't watch their team. And let's face it, even through the losses, I had friends who were like, yep, I'm going to watch them tomorrow night as well because that's your team. So you can't watch your team right now. You have to watch other young teams who are hopefully ascending in their fan base's eyes uh, compete at the bubble. Uh, there's a coach that not many fans, if any, are happy with who is still holding a job. And when you get a new front office, you you think it's video game time. You want moves immediately. Like, you want to sim to the next date so you can get yourself some moves made because there's nothing more attractive when you're losing than a bunch of activity. So there's a lot going on here, and I would caution Bulls fans, for instance, like Zach Levine, I think, is a damn good player. But there's nothing telling me that Zach's going to be here for the next two, three years or whatever, how long his deal is, two years. So I, I just – I hear a lot of talking, and then I, I, I don't come up with many solutions after those conversations are done. So I know it's not the good thing and it's not the fun thing to say, but I'm, I am in a wait-and-see mode because the moment Mark and AK were introduced, I, I tweeted, this is the last time everyone's going to love them. <laughs> like, like at this moment, watch this tape again, guys. When this, when things may not be going according to plan, because this is the last time that everyone in this city is going to love you, and it's already started. They understand that they've been around the league long enough. But yeah, to to act as if this is 
you know, Melo or LeBron or, you know, anybody. You name any any – I, I shouldn't have said Melo because Melo has no sway these days. But, you know, uh, LeBron or AD or Russell Westbrook or James Harden, these aren't these kinds of guys saying get this coach out of here. First of all, we don't know exactly if that's the way the best players on this, this team feels because that's the other thing too. Real bona fide superstars don't get mealy-mouthed about how they feel about coaches. Right. So the fact that nobody can really step out there the way they want to step out there means that you haven't ascended or or, or done enough in the league to, to, to change things just by your discomfort. So I just it, there's a there's a whole bunch going on. A lot of Bulls fans are frustrated. I think it's a combination of all those things. We can't see the team. They know who their front office is, but they want to know who their front office is by activity and moves. And none of that has happened yet, Rob. Yeah. So I, I, I think you guys hit it right on the head. I think the, you know, once we or once they get a better sense of what this roster is actually going to look like long term, um, because KC, to your point, like if the Bulls are going to ascend, once again, the roster is just not going to look like this one way or the other. Um, once we get a better sense of that, I think we can better forecast um, the actual job that these guys are doing. Uh, it was just going to be impossible uh, for them to maintain the level of goodwill, I guess that they had in those first couple of weeks when, as you said, Jason, everyone had their um, first impression uh, faces on um, and everything was great. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it, um, see how it continues to evolve. Um, and, you know, hopefully it reaches a resolution or uh, fizzles down at some point soon. Cause I'm getting tired. I'm getting a little tired to be honest. With you. It's an exhausting news cycle. I think, it, I think everybody, no matter what side of this debate you come down on can agree that it's an exhausting news cycle. Right, right. I mean, we, we're used to off seasons where, you know, other things are happening, not not us talking about a team that we can't watch play or coaches that we can't watch. Is there is there another team in the NBA that has these kind of questions? I won't say less questions or more questions, but, you know, because when, when, when the Bulls jumped out there with their search and all these other things while the pandemic was happening, they were one of the few teams, if not the only team, that was still able to pull off some, some measure of business, like restructuring and retooling a front office is a big deal uh, to now. It's just like, I, I know the Knicks hired Tibbs and I know, you know, some other teams are doing some other things, but like the questions that surround the Bulls, and I know every fan base probably feels like their questions are, are more pertinent and, and, and need addressing quicker because that's the team that they watch. But for both of you right now, like, is there another team that maybe we're watching at, you know, the bottom rung of the bubble or teams that aren't at the bubble that you think have similar questions or are the Bulls, are the Bulls out here, you know, in, in orbit uh, by themselves in terms of the things that they have to get figured out by the time uh, this offseason gets underway? Yeah, because you kind of get in your own uh, pun intended bubble with your own team and like look at your own team's woes right. and everything. But I do think the Bulls are in a pretty unique situation just given that they've overhauled the front office, uh, only franchise in the league that, to do that, obviously, this offseason. Um, and it, it's also unique, I mean, because it just doesn't happen very often. This is only the third, uh, you know, managerial regime, and, and Jerry Ride serves 35 years as serving as the pr pr primary. Uh, uh, owner of the Bulls so um, yeah I think it's pretty uh, pretty specific to the Bulls and you know the fact that um, the Boylet situation is because of the unprecedented offseason it's just hanging out there all season or all offseason just kind of makes it uh, even more glaring yeah I think that I, I think the Knicks offer some interesting parallels which is a you know it's obviously I think it's gonna make a lot of people cringe but just in the fact that they overhauled their front office, not during the pandemic, but um, recently, 
um, had their coaching search and changed coaches. I think what makes the Bulls unique, though, also when you talk about this specific timeline of events that we're living right now is that this was the summer of the last dance. And all of the goodwill built up by these new front office hires that everyone was so on board with was then only amplified by the fact that we got to live the, hey, remember Michael Jordan? You know, when we got to relive that for a month and a half, two months. Right. Um, and I do think that just kind of only adds to the, the, um, the discontent being stoked now um, when you look at just kind of the, the parallels um, that, you know, plagued the Bulls back then and, and still are swirling around them uh, today. So I, I, I do think we get stuck in the bubbles um, of our own, you know, whether it be social circles, whether it be fandoms, whether it be media or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Bulls are, and they have been, and they will continue to be pretty unique and pretty much a lightning rod for, for NBA discussion. So, uh, for better or worse, I mean, we're in the thick of it. So, yeah, we get stuck in, as you say, in our own bubbles, but you know, sometimes you get stuck in a comfortable one. This, this <laughs> yeah, comfortable it hasn't been very comfortable for a long, long time since probably about 2011 or something. Uh, let me ask you guys this before we move on to our next topic because this, this is something I threw out there on Twitter and just had some fun with it with some people. Whose future would you rather have, the Knicks or the Bulls, if you started today? I'm still going Bulls just because uh, the, the the I don't think the roster, as I said before, is probably as great as we get. We kind of focus in on these players and prop them up because they're the ones we have to work with every day in terms of analyzing and covering mm-hmm. and, and talking about. But I I just I, I you know the Bulls books are clean coming up. They do have some intriguing young talent. They've got all their first round draft picks. Um, you know, coaching situation, uh, you'd probably give the edge to the, the Knicks, obviously. Tom is an elite coach. Uh, you know, and, you know, all for all the excitement about Leon Rose and World Wide West, they've, they've never done it before. I Neither have Arturis and Mark is in their, their chairs. So that's kind of a probably a equal comp. Um, I just go to the roster, and I think the Bulls are not in great shape, but I think they're further along than the Knicks. And no matter how you feel about the Bulls' ownership, uh, it's not James Dolan. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Bulls too. Um, I, I'm definitely a victim of the overanalyzing, overbreaking down. I think I wrote 800 words on Luke Cornett last week. You know, like I, I'm definitely a, a victim of that too. And that's no disrespect to Luke Cornett at all. I, you know, I'm, that's more of a self-deprecating thing um, to yeah. me. Uh, but the rosters, there's definitely, even when you talk about all the flaws that the Bulls have, there is still definitely a chasm, I think, in, you know, promising young talent. Uh, in, in between each of those rosters. Um, coaching situation, yeah, you definitely give, give the edge to the Knicks. Um, and we'll see, like, but the, the thing about the, the Bulls coaching situation is even if Jim is the coach heading into next season, that doesn't necessarily mean um, that he's the coach long, long term. So I, I guess that's something that we can maybe wait a little bit longer to see how it's finally resolved um, when all the dust settles here. Um, and then, yeah, front office-wise, you're right, Casey, neither have been in their own featured spot yet so maybe reserve judgment there but on roster talent alone um i think the bulls even as even as uh, flawed as they are have a pretty sizable advantage um the cap space in 2021 i'm not deeply um intimately uh, aware of the next books but i know that the bulls are in a pretty solid space with that moving forward uh with draft capital too they own all their own picks so um i'd still probably go bulls uh, if you'd asked me, I didn't know if you were going to say Bulls or Knicks. I was thinking you might ask Bulls or Suns or or another mm-hmm. team in the bubble. And if we're talking about that, I think you might see the Bulls start to retreat to the back of some of those conversations. But if, 
Um, the Knicks will always be, it seems like, will always be a good uh, a good comparison to hold the Bulls up to for, you know, the time being at least. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the ugly guy at the bar that you like comparing yourself to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Knicks. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Uh, so speaking of developing young players and writing a lot of words about them, by the time people get this, uh, this pod, there will be a new piece penned by our guy, Rob Schaefer. You got a chance to holler at Kobe White uh, without giving away too much. What'd you, uh, what'd you learn about the young man out of North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. I won't, I won't, um, give away the whole thing. And uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it should be live on our website and on social media and everything like that. Right now. If you're listening to this when you should be listening to it, as soon as it dropped, then it is ready for you. So get right to it as soon as you're done listening to this. True. Uh, but yeah, it was good to talk to Kobe. We talked, we talked for a little bit. Um, he on Tuesday, so we're taping this on a Thursday, coming out on Friday, but this was earlier this week. Um, he co-led along with uh, Nafisa Collier, a player from the Minnesota Lynx, uh, co-led uh, what's called a life skill session with some junior NBA um, alumni and uh, who are participating in the virtual junior NBA championship this year. Um, sounded like a cool event. So talk to Kobe a little bit about that um, and kind of the things that they talked about. They hit on a wide range of um, topics relating to obviously social justice, um, racism and life challenges that come along with that and how Kobe has navigated them, how he wants to uh, pass advice down to, to kids coming up through the junior NBA system, um, navigating those types of things and still chasing your dreams and things of that nature. Um, so it was a good conversation. We, t- we touched on some bigger picture topics as well. Um, and what I learned about Kobe is I, this is something that has kind of been hinted at, you know, you talk to him and, um, you know, teammates will call him mature and coaches call him an adaptable um, kind of precocious uh, young guy. Um, but what I didn't know about him is, Back in Goldsboro, I mean, we know about his kind of illustrious high school career there. Um, we, we have a sense of kind of what a guy who makes it to the NBA from there might be perceived as in his hometown. But he really has, uh, hearing him talk, taken on a leadership role um, with a lot of high schoolers around that area, a lot of basketball players around that area, um, taking kids under his wing. Um, obviously, you know, I asked him about how that ties into his childhood experience, like kind of wanting to pass that down. He didn't bring up Chris Paul, but that's obviously a well-documented relationship that that Chris Paul was a huge uh, resource to, to the White family um, and to Kobe, a uh, big mentor there. Um, and Kobe talks so glowingly about his family and the guidance and the uh, support system that they've provided for him. Uh, but what I learned about him is that, yeah, he's taken on that leadership role back in his hometown. And, um, yeah, without giving away too much, I just think it only adds to kind of how uh, impressive and, and good of a dude he seems even at only 20. So 
Um, but yeah, it was good to catch up with him. Uh, seems like he's doing well. Um, and yeah, check out the piece if uh, you're interested in it. Really happy that young man is a bull, man. And yeah. on, on draft night, I thought he was the second best guard after John Morant. And we will see. But uh, he, is, uh, he has definitely exceeded my expectations. Casey, you and I have talked about him. And Rob, we've talked about him as well. Uh, those last seven games or so, is that putting up, what, 26 a game? I mean, those were real games he was playing in. And the wins weren't there. But he was, uh, he was one of the few people on the court that people were designed to stop at the end of the season. And, and uh, they didn't do a good enough job stopping him. So it shows you where the floor is for his career. I'm just – and all the other stuff on top of it, getting a chance to talk to him. Uh, him and his brother are right here on this podcast. Uh, he is one of those dudes who you hope sticks around this city for as long as possible because I think there's something more there. Just besides besides being a terrific basketball player, I think there's something that he can add to this uh, this, this city that we uh, love so much. I agree. <laughs> so now where do we go from here? Uh, I I think I think that the Bulls would have. Um, fared okay in this in this bubble experiment. And by okay, I mean, you look at John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, they've lost four games and they got some tough games coming up here. Uh, but watching this bubble develop and seeing certain things, like watching the Lakers struggle with their offense and you know, watching uh, a team like the Rockets just not only do what they've done, but do it to another level. Now we'll see how they fare without Russell and that uh, I believe he's got a quad injury. But is, is there any surprises in terms of what we've seen over the last couple of days? The, the small sample size and the oddity of the bubble, obviously, are going to come into play when we talk about the ending of this season. But have you guys seen anything since the last time that we potted that, uh, has, that you've raised an eyebrow at in the bubble? Rob, you can go. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about raising an eyebrow. Um, I think some of the biggest takeaways after a week of it are um, it's just been really fun to watch the Raptors continue to emerge. Um, it does seem to me, you know, it's my own personal opinion, but it seems to me like them and the Bucks are kind of in their own tier uh, in the East because the Celtics haven't looked phenomenal really since the All-Star break, but in the bubble either. Um, I mean, Miami has looked pretty awesome too. They just got a win over Boston without Jimmy Butler. That was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Raptors are just such a fun team to watch. Um, another interesting factor into thinking about how the Bulls would project in this kind of environment is, there hasn't really been a lot of defense played in a lot of these games. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers. I'm not privy to the numbers in terms of scoring or, you know, shooting percentages or anything like that. But I guarantee that offensive efficiency uh, is pretty far up in the bubble for whatever reason that is. If it's because it's a um, – it's just a place where pure scorers are benefiting more or it's the scrimmage type uh, ambiance to it. I don't know. Um, but certainly even as the bulls were losing a lot of those games, we're talking about Kobe white specifically those last nine or 10 games of the season, even as they were losing that, those games, um, that growth from him specifically and kind of another, uh, other one-off performances that we saw were, were, it seemed like fun to watch and something that, um, fans can take even a modicum of a silver lining. in. so, um, think about how the bulls would have projected in an environment like this, where it really does have common open gym feel, um, that would have been fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, and the, and the other thing, it, now that the opening weekend glow has kind of started to fade away, um, I actually am impressed with how normal the presentation feels. The fanless environment hasn't really thrown me off yet. Um, I think the deeper we get into the playoffs, we're going to miss the buzz and the roars and the things like that. But um, for now, I think the presentation has looked pretty good. Uh, they can just lose the crowd noise, and I'm good. Um, 
But yeah, I've just been impressed. I'm pleasantly surprised that no cases have permeated the bubble yet. I mean, that could change by the time this comes out tomorrow. I hope it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been a pleasant surprise because I was as skeptical as anyone about that aspect. Uh, But yeah, I mean, basketball's back. It continues to be fun. And yeah, just hope it continues. Uh, Anyone worried about the Lakers offense just needs two words. Playoff Rondo. He's coming, baby. He's coming. (laughs) He's coming back. He's coming back. But yeah, no, the, the Lakers offense has, you know, been, it's only a week, but uh, especially given what Rob talked about, how nobody's playing defense there, the Lakers offense has been a little bit of a concerning question mark. I, I certainly think in these early games, the Clippers have looked better than the Lakers, but you know, I'm not here to. Even though they uh, lost the Lakers? What's that? Even yeah. they lost the Lakers? Yeah. yeah. Because I think they just, I think they just played better basketball and looked better as a team. Um Lakers been clunky, and LeBron thinks trying to prove something defensively, and then he gets he gets to the fourth quarter like, man, am I old? Because <laughs> was it sixteen? Was he got sixteen, nine, and seven, or something like that for his uh, his bubble numbers so far? Yeah, and and he's out with a groin injury. I think they just I just um, just seen it across the, the wire that LeBron is out versus the Rockets tonight with a groin injury, and yeah, the Lakers look a little clunky right now. And I thought you were gonna say playoff Avery Bradley. But playoff, playoff Rajon Rondo is going to have to do too. Uh, I've also liked the Suns. Like I know we kind of touched on them briefly before, but they're just fun to watch play. They obviously get up and down the court. A lot of young talent. Not great team, but certainly a fun team to watch, particularly in this setting. And you know, every time you hear Monty Williams speak, you just you just can't. I mean, yeah. forget about what happened. In his, I, I shouldn't say that. Not forget what happened in his life. Obviously, putting that aside, which is hard to do. Uh, but just every time you hear that guy speak, you just see a poise and a confidence and a belief. And you can see, see why players like playing for him because he just seems like someone that, uh, you know, is a, is a straight shooter but does it in an honest way that, that, uh, that makes you want to play for him. I, I talked to Cameron Payne the other day about, you know, sticking in the league, and he talked about how Monty's been a big uh, help for him. You know, he's had, he had him both in Oklahoma City when Monty was an assistant there. And now as his head coach uh, in the restart. And uh, so I, I'm kind of – it's been fun for me to watch the Suns and see how they're playing for Money Williams. By the way, that's uh, bubble MVP, Cameron Payne. M-I-P. 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 <laughs> oh, no, no. I, no, I said bubble most valuable player. He did, you didn't stutter. You said it. <laughs> okay. All right. I tried, to, I tried to bail you out. I tried to bail you out. I mean, if you're going to put together an all-bubble team right now, and it doesn't have to be like the, the greatest uh, achievers, but the guys that you wa- like watching the most. It might be the guys that you like watching when there isn't a bubble. But We might have to do that. We might have to do that on the pod, do homework and, and bring in. Well, I mean, you know, we don't need homework for this pod. Have you listened to the last three episodes? Come on, man. T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren. on everybody's list. I mean, let's just start spitting out names. T.J. Warren, Gary Trent Jr. has been outstanding. Fred Van Vliet before he got hurt. Booker. Got hurt. Booker. Um, who else we got? I mean, you know. Ingram, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's been fun. You know, the, the Pelicans, dude, the Pelicans, far too often they look like five strangers wearing the same jersey for me because the amount of talent that they put on the court at any given time, obviously there's some young guys and then they got Drew Holiday and some other dudes that are mixed in there, but you, you'd think – but if that team ever got it together with the collection that they got, and obviously off of the Anthony Davis trade, that team, man, that team is maddening to watch sometimes. And they're yeah. getting blown out by the Kings. So there you go. 
Yeah, about to give 150 to the Kings. Oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is someone we should shout out to. He got hurt, but he was balling. Oh, my God. That is such a bummer to see him um, go down, obviously, as a person, but also just he was playing such great basketball. Um, and shout out to Jamal Crawford for seven minutes, though. You know what I'm saying? My, my guy, JC, got back in there and then, and then had a hamstring injury, as 40-year-old oh. have to do. But, yeah, and he still looks like he's 22 years old. Jamal Crawford still – Still doing, and I know you're very fond of Jamal KC, as we, as we all are. Um, yeah. Also, another piece of news, guys, Ben Simmons, one of the league's shining stars, uh, with a subluxation of his kneecap, which I think is the clinical term of a dislocated kneecap. Uh, terrible injury. Uh, hopefully, it won't hamper or hinder him going forward. It's an indefinite uh, uh, diagnosis in terms of how, how long he'll be out. Uh, this obviously changes – uh, the trajectory of their hopes for a playoff push. And let's face it, they had been playing very well in the bubble with him. And I'm not saying that they're better without him at all, by the way. So I think Ben Simmons is a terrific talent, as does everybody else who watches. But KC, let's start with you. Ben Simmons, uh, for, he's coming to the league with a lot of fanfare. He's lived up to some of the hype. He hasn't exceeded those expectations. He's one of the better defenders in the game, terrific passer. He's a terrific fast break player, but obviously – the half-court limitations with the shot uh, are something that we've talked about for the last couple of years or so, and now you get to this point where uh, every player has to deal with it at some point, which is injury. This is his first really, really big one since we saw him in that redshirt year, uh, his rookie year. Yeah, and, um, wonderful player, but, you know, those, those half-court concerns you bring up, Jason, are exacerbated to me in the playoffs, and obviously that's borne out in his young career. Uh, I think he's a player that you can kind of game plan for when you're staying him every night over and over and particularly at the end of games uh, and playoff games where the uh, game shrinks a little bit, it comes to, becomes a little bit more half court oriented and shooting becomes more of a premium. Um, I think some of his weaknesses get exposed. Um, obviously something he can solve. He's young enough and talented enough, but uh, those questions are going to remain until he's able to do so. And obviously this injury could be another setback along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt as well because I know they just kind of made that big decision to to move Shake uh, Milton to the starting lineup and and now Horford to the bench. Do you do you bring Al back into the starting lineup and go uber big? You're going to be a great defensive team, uh, pretty much regardless of what you do with Joel with uh, Joel Embiid manning the middle and he's you know uh, looked great in the bubble so far um, as well. It, it's a bummer. Um, it, it's it's going to be a chance to kind of see. I, I know they had a stretch without Embiid towards the end of the season before um, the hiatus where they looked pretty good with uh, just Simmons and no Embiid. Be interesting to see how the inverse of that looks. Um, but it, it's just a bummer. And it, it kind of highlights a team that a lot of people, I think, um, have been disappointed by this year. They were a lot of people's picks, obviously, to make the finals. I, I didn't have a, a public forum to make my picks at the time of the start of the season. Uh, but I might have I might have jumped on that train because I thought they were just going to be so smothering defensively. Um that that would have been a, a, a real possibility for him. Um, but pretty much no matter how this season ends, uh, I, we don't have a timetable on the Simmons injury, but it looks like it'll at least have him miss some of the first round of the playoffs, if not uh, deeper into the playoffs. If there's a first or either second, either a first or second round exit for them, which seems likely um, depending on what their first round matchup is, I just am going to be really tuned in to what they do with that roster come the off season. Cause even when everyone's healthy, it just feels a little bit mismatched. They've got a lot of long-term money on the books in Tobias Harris and Al Horford, who are both productive players. There's no doubt about that. But um, I'll just be interested to see what they do 
uh, and just another kind of hurdle in a underwhelming season for them is what I, is what I'd call it. I mean, they're, 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 they win a, a pretty sizable majority of their games and they're a great team, obviously at home, one of the better home teams in the league. Um, so you're not going to say it was a completely disappointing season, but um, definitely underwhelmed and just a bummer. Just wish them the, a speedy and a, and a full recovery, of course. Man, just think how things would be viewed differently headed into decision-making time when it comes to the duo of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. If that Kawhi Leonard shot doesn't bounce around on that rim three or four times and go in, I think we'd be talking about uh, a different vibe surrounding that team. And now now you have to deal with injury. You already dealt with it with Joel. Now you have to start dealing with uh, with Ben Simmons, who I think, you know, I don't think those two are going to win a championship together. Uh, and the odds are against it, obviously, with the, the duos that have won championships over the last 15, 20 years. But I don't think that, that either one of those guys um, will allow for each other reaching their potential while they play with each other. I could be wrong, but uh, I think that they are uh, they're, they're mismatched pieces. But we will see. We will you had see. To build around, if you had to build around one. Who would it be? We'll do, we should do this every episode. Uh, one, word answer, one word answer at the end of yeah, uh, If I had to build around one player, who would it be? I'd be building around Ben Simmons. Hey, go ahead hate on uh, Joel like you usually do. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not hating on Joel. It's the, it's the expectations, Tony. You got to have expectations. And when I – I have expectations in Joel Embiid. And I think he – Joel Embiid could be – he could be a top two or three player in the NBA to me. And for whatever reason, you know, whether it be the weight, whether it be the, the picking when to dominate, um, I think they're, I think he's going to have himself a Hall of Fame career. I just hope he snatches a championship in it before he goes away. Whereas with Ben, I think you can – I mean, he's got the ball in his hands at all times. Uh, obviously, the shot and all those things are, are, are not sufficient. But the way he defends, the things that he can affect offensively and defensively, uh, and the things that I won't have to worry about with him in terms of uh, shape, yeah, I, I, I'd probably go with Ben Simmons. I go Embiid. I want the ceiling. I, I, I just I just shoot for – because that ceiling is just so, so tantalizing. Yeah. Not ready to give up on the guy yet. I mean, obviously, to your, all your points, the clock is ticking on it. Um, not a knock on Simmons. It's just it, all things equal. If you surround both of them with shooting, I, I really do think either of them um, – you know, our best player on a contending team caliber guys, it just, to your point, it just doesn't seem like it's meshing together. What do you think? What, well, to, to pick one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Ben Simmons. I mean, like it's easier. All right. How should I put this? Think of the star big men in the NBA, right? Think of the best big men in the NBA. And now I think a championship contention. And then think of the players who are the star forwards and the star guards, star wing players. I think, I think in this NBA, it's easier to build around a six foot ten slashing forward slash point guard who has that kind of potential than it is a guy like Joel Embiid who you have to get the ball to. I think the game has changed so much that the days of that guy being the the, the centerpiece in a championship, I don't know if they're gone, but that window is closing. That's fair. What do you What do you think, Tony? You want to jump in? Yeah. What do you think, Tony? <laughs> yeah. Give me a B, man. Come on. Like. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't trust Ben. Like in terms of trust. Now both. Now, now I get it. I get it. <laughs> 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 ice cream. Oh, oh, oh. 
I, I get it. It's tough to trust Joel too, but he has the like, same diet as me, Tony. And he's still out here doing people out here, man. Like Joel and B, and, and I, I made <laughs> a lot of people. Like he could be the best player in the league if he wanted to, and it's just pretty Think about that. <laughs> That's why I don't want him. <laughs> and I'm just trying to find uh, maybe Brett Brown isn't the right coach to get him to that level. I mean, that needs to be considered. He's been there for a while. Uh, but been dancing. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about this with Rob. Like, he's the the Shaq version of what 2020 basketball is to me. Like. Shaq was a physical dominant presence in in the era that he played, and I think in the the space out game that is the NBA right now, I think Embiid is that level. He's got a lot of type skills, man. Like the dude is he's a generational talent. Don't get me wrong. Like you know that I've and all three of you know that I I think Joel Embiid is a monster. I think he's a terrific talent. I don't trust him, and to be. To be clear, I don't know how much I trust Ben Simmons, yeah. but you know, in in these uh, in these days where we are we are thinking about who do you trust, who do you trust more? If you don't trust anybody, I'm, I think I'm gonna vote for Ben Simmons. You know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast my belly with old Ben Simmons. <laughs> I mean, I and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Ben Simmons's outside of basketball decisions. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the Kardashian curse on him. That's, <laughs> I'll just leave it uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's different, though. You know, that's that's um, that's the NBA life that he's choosing to lead. <laughs> listen, man. I, I I think that Ben Simmons is is um, I won't say salvageable. Like I think you can kind of get to a dude and teach him how to shoot, or just get get past the mental block of shooting. Right. I will say when you look at how the Markel Fultz thing ended, though, like is that in Philly where that's going to happen for him? Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we'll, who we shouldn't be trusting is Philly, the, the organization, more than either of the players individually. I don't know. I don't know. You hear that, Elton Brand? Rob Schaefer doesn't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Nah, it's it's um it's 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 a good problem to have though. You know, I'd rather I'd rather have you know which all star do you need to get rid of to win a championship, as opposed to, hey man, that number seven pick we should be studying about it again. So, but we will see. We will see. We'll have uh, we'll have more bubble talk and more coaching talk and all the other stuff that goes along with the Bulls Talk podcast. Rob KC, thank you so much for your time. Make sure you click on Rob's piece uh, with Kobe White on NBCSportsChicago.com. Make sure you click on everything that Casey Johnson and Rob Schaefer do because they put a lot of time and a lot of effort. and They're really, really good at their jobs. So make sure you follow them as well. And anytime that you want to yell at Tony or I for anything we say on Twitter, just direct it to Rob Schaefer and Casey Johnson. They handle they handle all of our... Uh, all I, think they found, I think they found Casey, but you, you, you can, y'all can, uh, <laughs> you can yeah. stick some my way too. Yeah. Yeah, any anything Derrick Rose or Bulls related, just go right to KC. Just give <laughs> everything go right to KC. For Tony Gill, Rob Schaefer, KC Johnson, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you once again for listening to the Bulls Talk Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Core's Life. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe if you like the show, because you know you love the show. Feel free to rate and review us. Make sure that you tell your smart speaker to play Bulls Talk Podcast as well. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning. 
Have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon. Be safe. Take care of each other. See you later. Check it out. NBC has got something special for you. Introducing our brand new streaming service, Peacock TV. From live sports to news, documentaries, and even some of your favorite shows, NBC Universal's new streaming service, Peacock, has it all. Learn more at PeacockTV.com, exclusive home for all of NBC Sports' free Premier League coverage, In Deep with Ryan Lochte, and Lost Speedways hosted by Dale Earnhardt Jr., and so much more. That's PeacockTV.com, PeacockTV.com to learn more.